Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Nick. Barry Moon again, just to say, can you congratulate Merv, what's his name, on his book? Wonderful. Absolutely thoroughly enjoy reading it. And thanks for the show, mate. Absolutely great at this time. You know, when we get back, I don't know. It's very sad. Anyway, you look after yourself, and thanks very much for what you're doing. Cheers, mate. Bye. Listening to Ashburn Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Ashburn Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Well, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another uh, special edition of Ashburn Millwall. We've got a special guest on the show. Following on from my, um, my my cricket effort yesterday, big welcome to good friend of mine, Neil Fisler. Welcome to the show, Neil. Cheers, Nick. Thanks, thanks for coming on, mate. Um, you were the fastest person to answer my question as to who was um, who was that nineteen uh, thirties cricketer, and you were back with me in seconds asking for harder questions. <laughs> yeah, Laurie Fishlock. Laurie Fishlock. Yeah, no, no. I thought it was quite tough, but obviously not, not, not for you. So, uh, well done. You, you won the contest. But I've got some, <laughs> I've got some slightly harder questions here for you, which um, I don't know if you'll have an answer to. I don't think anyone's got an answer to. Um, just thinking about the general situation, sporting-wise. And I know you're, a, you know, you're a rugby journalist and um, football fan, and I know you're an avid cricket fan too. And I, I'm guessing sports generally on a, on a wider level. Um, we're living through to coin the a cliche, unprecedented times. And cricket is a fragile, fragile flower, isn't it? And, you know, football's going to have its problems. But I've just been looking at the cricket websites and, you know, this this is this impact of this virus is going to be massive on the sport. It's hard to see how things will, will, will come back to normal for, for the summertime at the earliest. Yeah, no, well, they're talking about a truncated county championship, only playing the disco cricket, <laughs> only playing international <laughs> cricket, you know what it's like. It's, yeah, but it's got to come back at some point, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I mean I've written a few notes. Um, if any listeners want to listen to the football part, you'll have to wind forward because we're going to indulge a little bit of cricket talk here. Because I think <laughs> it's, I mean, it illustrates, it illustrates, must illustrate rugby union too, Neil. I, I dare say rugby league up north and, and many other um, smaller scale sports than, than the, you know, the kind of the Leviathan of football. But, um, the 100 competition has been put back, I think, I don't know if it's officially put back to 2021. It's hard to see how that can take place this season. Um, I mean, you know, you, I, I picked up on the on the clue disco cricket, um, which uh, any true cricket aficionado probably thinks of it as. But it's it's intended as a moneymaker, isn't it? I mean, it, it has a purpose. Yeah, well, that's how county cricket is financed generally, I think. Certainly when I was a member of Middlesex, yeah, but the county. Yeah, well, you got your county championship virtually for free because because the T20 paid for it, and the yeah, but the crowds at T20 games are still absolutely huge. Yeah, uh, full. I mean, they're full houses. I mean, I've, I've been to, I've been to the Oval on T20. It's a fantastic experience. It's a big stadium, obviously, but I've been yeah, to. Obviously. Smaller venues. I've been down to Bristol for an England-India uh, game, um, which was T20 format, full house, obviously for an international. But but it's it, it, the, the point of. I mean, that one of the problems with cricket, particularly, is I've also been to county championship games at our nearest ground here is Chelmsford for Essex, and it's it's like God's waiting room in there, Neil. A Monday morning on a county cricket, um, you know, it, it's an interesting. It's an interesting sport that tries to exist on on a on a on a you know three or four hundred spectators sometimes. You know, you can see why disco cricket has its role because that's what brings the money and puts bums on seats and and sells the beers and take that away as we're going to probably see this this summertime or large chunks of it. And the sport has a real problem, doesn't it, in finance terms? Yeah, but what I think you'll find is it's yeah, because I don't know what the timetable for all of this is, but they can probably get the disco cricket season underway in August and surely we're going to be back to normal by then. August, September, yeah, you can play that, play half a play, play some sort of county championship. I think the plan was, I don't think the championships no. has been, has been, uh, been you yeah, know, has been called off since the, Second World War, even if then it was, yeah, it was called off. So I think there will be some kind of cricket in some way, shape, or form. But, but well, as you say, it's unprecedented times. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow, no. let alone in August. Or we, yeah, well, we're hoping that it's back to normal by then. It's amazing how things can change. I mean, I've, I've written um, a Robert Burns quote. I like to get these things in my shows, Neil. The best laid plans of mice and men are apt to go awry. I mean, we've gone from uh, the, the kind of idyllic summertime of 2019 with all, you know, the the the, the World Cup win for England and and the, and the Test series against Australia with some classic classic moments. Stokes, yeah. Stokes, you know, what a what a what a player. Um, what moments? You know, you get these little. Um, cameos the, the jack leach innings and all, all, the, all the rest of it that comes with that and yeah. and you know um fantastic opponents and you know the the, the kind of the soap opera that comes with any any series against australia and and, and, and others in, you know the other major nations but how quickly things can change we've gone from you know kind of uh, landmark moments last summer time and now the impact of the virus means we're we're talking about possible survival for some counties because I, it's quite hard to see how some of them 
take away the money, the money machines, the T20 and, and the 100, potentially. Um, it's hard to see how they survive, isn't it? It's, it? I mean, rugby union must be facing similar issues, I would Mate, thought. I think, yeah, but I think every sport is facing similar issues. See, Millwall were the first club to furlough yeah. players, weren't they? Or the first yeah. championship club to furlough players and off the... I think, I, funnily enough, I was speaking to a very clever employment lawyer the other week as a for a piece for the Sunday Express, and he said that sport could never could actually go back 20 years with this because of all the money that's been pumped in you think all the money that's swirling around football all the money that swirls around cricket through sky mm. and sponsors are these sponsors going to want to claw back some of the money because 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 they're not really getting anything for what they're paying for are they so not at the moment it, no, horrible, horrible times for sport. In I mean, fact, it's horrible times for the country, full stop. But horrible times for the country nationally. I, I think that's right. I mean, because it, I, I sometimes feel a little. Um, uh, it feels a bit trite to be even be speaking about sport when people are, are you know, are, are dying and, and, the, and the virus is having its its impact. And I, you know, I read on a on a, on a side note some uh, article on the papers that this may have a massive impact on the economy generally. So take your pick of percentage drops in the economy, which has a knock-on effect to sport because companies and firms won't have the the budgets to to throw at sponsorship. And and you know, these things are interlinked, aren't they? Everything everything joins together. Yeah, no, but they're talking about the biggest recession since the Wall Street crash, aren't they? And things like that. And obviously, if there's a, you know, if unemployment goes up, people's disposable income goes yeah. down, and you can't so it goes. sky. Yeah. And so it's a horrible, horrible, horrible circle, basically, isn't it? So, yeah. Do you, I mean, you're. I'm reading between the lines of some of the things you said. Are you? I mean, you're, you're a traditionalist in cricket terms. Do you do you enjoy love the? Cricket. Yeah. Do you enjoy um, the? Yeah, do you enjoy the disco cricket? Do you enjoy the T20 and the and the? Uh, and we haven't seen the hundred yet, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm wary of it. I, I can see its reasons why they're having it, but the messing with the format of the game strikes me as slightly. Um, I don't know if sacrilegious is the right word, but it seems doesn't seem right to fiddle with the over format and, and, and things of that kind are you are you a fan of those games or do you regard them as uh, necessary evils uh i think the disco cricket is a necessary evil because it pays for me to be able to watch county cricket <laughs> <laughs> love that <laughs> that's a great answer yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I think, yeah well, i think that if you didn't have the t20 or the disco cricket whatever you want to call it that you probably wouldn't have the county championship around now. The game would probably have gone bankrupt a very long time ago because, as you said, it's God's waiting room, isn't it? You yeah, go absolutely. You go on the first morning of a county championship match and it's... Oh, it's it's, it's the dead zone. It's the twilight zone. I, I mean, I, 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 I put together a little piece yesterday, listeners, um, which was mill players who have crossed over into, into cricket and hence Neil and I speaking today but I was I, I did that yesterday I was making my notes sat in my back garden the beautiful uh, early spring afternoon lovely warm sunshine I don't know what it's like where you are Neil down in the west country but it was very beautiful. nice yeah, it was beautiful nice. here yesterday but today the second day what would have been the, the county championship season it's 
bloody chilly out there. <laughs> it was grey and chilly. I went out to drop some stuff off at my mother and father-in-law this morning. And I thought, blimey, some of the blokes would have been playing cricket at, at, at um, you know, the various locations around the country today. It'd be bloody cold to be stood in in that all day and then try and catch a hard cricket ball um, when the chance comes. Um, you three jumpers, I think, <laughs> in the order of the day today. And one of those please. hand warmer things you buy out of decathlon in your pockets, I think, to try and get your hands warm. Yeah, um, definitely. And just pray and just absolutely pray that the ball doesn't come towards you too often. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so no, difficult times. I mean, te- just reading the Test series against the West Indies looks like it's um, highly unlikely to take place. There may be uh, there's a one day series against the Australians in the summertime, then another Test match series against Pakistan later in the summertime. It's to be hoped that we get some cricket in. Um, I was I was actually quite looking forward to it. I had a bit of time on my hands at the moment, so I was looking forward to getting along to some of the county championship games, um, which are beautiful and quiet and peaceful days, and especially in the morning sessions. They get a You're little bit... Waiting for God. Oh, no. Waiting for God. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for, for coming on the show. Um, I put out my um, thing yesterday about um, Millwall cricketers, and... I did ask for errors, omissions, and 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 corrections. And um, Neil, uh, you're 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 my you're you're my source for these things because um, I, I just went by Wikipedia, which I, I'm aware is um, is not the not the final word on a lot of this stuff. Um, now I picked out um, five cricketers who are Mill players, um, yeah. and it, based on I mean the spark for this was actually a, a, a thing I did a few weeks ago where um, it was a post-war game where Mill drew with Arsenal in the in the um, uh, the, the the football league post-war football league South um, and they had Dennis Compton playing from who was a major I mean probably a major figure in Test cricket more than more than as a footballer I would say uh, when I, when you look at the record he played for Arsenal which is no mean achievement but he was a, a much um, a much better known as a Test match cricketer yeah along with his brother Leslie of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's something you don't get in the game, I suppose. Maybe who knows what impact this this thing will have on on the sports generally. But it used to be a thing, didn't it? That that footballers and cricketers, and I guess rugby players too, um, and cricket, the two would kind of you play one in the winter time, one in the summertime. It was it was it was not uncommon back in the, the old days. Yeah, no, well, your wages drops, of course, in the summer in football. Yeah. Yeah, back in the day. So I guess that cricket was a way of uh, yeah, keeping fit and also earning a few quid if you were a professional. A year round so, income. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So you actually so you actually topped up your football wages by playing cricket. So and of course, yeah, well, I noticed that you said uh, on because I did listen to you. So <laughs> I thought you would you had to do a bit of research <laughs> earlier on. Yeah. <laughs> the, the last, yeah, the last cricketer football that you can remember is Chris Borderstone. Last one I remember, yeah. Yeah, Ian Botham actually played. Oh yeah, of in course. Football league for Scunthorpe United, and I think played for Yeovil. I, I remember that. I remember that happening. Um, and that, I'm interested to know what your take. I, I, was, was that a novelty thing, or was that was that um, was he was he good enough to play? I mean, I know he played in the football league, and Scunthorpe was good enough to play, but I think it was a bit of keeping fit, a bit of this, a bit of that. And he yeah, of course he's actually a huge Scunthorpe United fan. Yes, yes, of course. Um but I remember that happening. 
Have there been any other your knowledge since both of them? I mean, that would have been in the in the in the eighties, I'd guess, that he would have done Around that. Around about the same time, Phil Neal, who is now, I believe, he's the England cricket manager. Right. He played for Lincoln City, and he was he won the county championship. I think he captained Worcestershire right. when they had a very successful team, which I actually think included both of them. Right. Okay. But I didn't know. I didn't know that. But it's sort of tailed off because obviously there's yeah there's now a lot more money in football, so football clubs don't really want their players playing cricket in the summer and breaking things and. <laughs> no, no, the specialisms. Are, I mean, the, rightly or wrongly, I think sport has has become a specialist uh, pursuit at the, at the professional level for which does yeah, exclude you having a go. I know the the Neville brothers were um, rated as good cricketers when they were younger, but then they took the, uh, the, the you know, the, the football route with, uh, with Manchester United. Um, I mean, I, I, my list here, I've, I've drawn actually from a, um, an interesting book, Miscellany, a Millwall Miscellany book, which was sent to me by one of our Australian listeners, a little page on Millwall cricketers. That's where I've drawn my list. So I thought I'd just run through my list oh. and Correct me, or if, if I've made any errors or missed anything out, do do cool. do, inter, do intervene. So um, I, I picked out Jim Standen, um, yeah. who was a, well, a goalkeeper, goalkeeper with Mill in uh, sixty. He didn't play many times though, Neil. Did he sixty-eight to seventy? Made eight appearances in yeah. that late. He he was towards the end of his career. He actually played for the mob across the river, West and won End. a yeah. cup winners' cup, and I believe an FA Cup with them. I think I think you'll find that he actually won the county championship with Worcestershire in the same year as he won either the FA Cup or the Cup Winners' Cup with West Ham. That's right. I hadn't made that link, but six, I've written sixty-four uh, county champion, um, yeah. which you're you're right would be. Um, uh, I think they won the FA Cup in sixty-four, and then they had the Cup Winners' Cup the year after, didn't right. they? Yeah, that's right. That's an achievement. That's a, that's quite an achievement. Uh, there can't be yeah, many players. Not- yeah, no, that's not bad at all. I, in fact, he's probably the only person who ever have done that. I was going to say, I mean, I, that's that's quite an achievement. FA Cup and uh, Cup Winners' Cup and County Champion, all roughly within a year or two of each other. Yeah. Uh, Jim Standen. Um, Dave Smith, I think I, I, my, my info on Dave Smith was quite limited. He was a, a winger for Millwall, 1959 yep, to 60, and he played for Gloucestershire. But I don't have much more on him than, than that. I don't know how successful a cricketer he was. Compared well, he played with... five tests for England, so that's so quite successful. <laughs> 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 right, <laughs> yeah, but he was actually better known as a cricketer than he was, was he? okay, as a footballer. He, but interestingly enough, uh, he was actually an England youth international f- football, right? Okay, but then became much better known as a cricketer than he did. I think he played 14 seasons for for Gloucestershire, but only sporadically played football right. yeah, at the gonna... level for Bristol City and for Millwall. I'm going to have to delete that other episode. I'll, I'll leave it up just to show my, my lack of um, <laughs> lack of <laughs> lack of research, lack of knowledge. I, I, I'm, I'm not proud. I'll, I'll leave it on there. Um, England Test match and, and England Youth. Wow, um, that's 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 an achievement too. So um, Millwall, Gloucestershire, England, uh, and England Youth, England Test. Yeah. Um, I've got Terry Kent. Um, 
Terry Kent was an interesting one because I because I wasn't aware of that one. And uh, yeah, I had a look and I think he was a right hand bat and a slow left arm orthodox bowler. Right. I mean, he never played for us and he only played once, it seems, for South End. Um, this is, I'm going purely on Wikipedia. I mean, if anyone out there's got more information on Terry Kent, I, I, I'm kind of hard because I can't believe there's that. I can't believe he can just come in and play once for South End and then disappear off the football radar. But um, he never never appeared for us. He was in the 1959 to 60 season, reserve fullback, um, and played for Essex. Um, again, that's that's all I've got on on Terry. Uh, yeah, but if one, you keep on talking for about 30 seconds, I'll give you. Yeah, look at you a complete lowdown. You want me to, <laughs> want me to talk, talk about nothing? I, I could do. I've made a whole podcast series out of doing that, Neil. <laughs> 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 Many people say that's what I do do all the time now. You know, it just so happens that I oh. happen to have a a who's who of Southend United on my computer. The things you have in the course of your journalistic life, mate, oh, that's that's incredible. Um, right. Terry Kent, a teenage winger, returned professional at Roots Hall in May 1958. He okay. made his solitary league appearance in Southend's 5-2 victory at home to Notts County at the end of the 58-59 season. Right. Uh, he joined Millwall in August 1960. And then played for Dartford and Crawley, where he now lives in retirement. Yeah, I, I, I got the feeling he's still alive. So, uh, presuming that's that's still current info, of course. Um, that's, that's interesting. Terry, I mean, it doesn't appear on. There's not much information on on on, the, on Wiki about him. So that's 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 interesting to to know. Um, moving along my list, I've got a much better name here, Len Graham, um, who was quite a figure. For the Lions in the 1920s, 300 appearances for um, for Millwall, um, eight goals, and, and an England international as well, two caps for England. Yeah. Um, playing in what was called then a left half position, be a kind of midfield position, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, right. And he played for Essex um, twice, uh, making just 14 runs. I'm going to guess he was a bowler with with a, with a low hit rate um, at that amount. Um, but quite a quite a substantial Millwall figure, Len Graham. Yeah, but he was. He yeah, but he's one of the great Millwall players of the inter of the interwar era. Yeah. Um Essex nineteen twenty one to twenty four, is that I've got here? I don't know if that's the I've scribbled yeah, this he on. He was actually spotted by yeah, but he was actually spotted by Bob Hunter when he was playing for Leytonstone and offered professional terms. Right, right. Also right. played for the football league. And was a member of the Millwall side when they won the third division South title in 1928. Mm, quite, um, quite, you know, again, quite a, quite a list of achievements in the game. There, I mean, to be capped and and for England and and to win championships and and also to play professionally for you know for Essex is is a is a is a big achievement. Um, so Len yeah, Graham, yeah, not bad at all, Len Graham. Um, now then, we move along again, and I have Alf Mule. Um, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his surname. Mule, Mule. Um, don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. Mule player from 1921 to 27, 208 appearances and 64 goals. Um, again, quite a substantial uh, figure in Mule history, um, and he was also um, a cricketer with with Essex. Um, um. And 
you, know, you can tell that I've just written a book on Millwall footballers, uh, that he is actually, in his youth, actually batted with W.G. Grace. Did he? Wow. Apparently so. What is the name of this book, Neil? When will it, it be available? How might people buy it? <laughs> <laughs> is it in print yet, mate? Or is it, is it still no. in? Yeah no, okay. well, yeah, no. Well, we've just finished writing it. And, right. Uh, we're just well, we're just going fact checking, and obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't get stuff from Poland where it'll be printed at the moment. <laughs> so, well, and yeah, we also want to wait until what happens at the end of the football season. It, yeah, are they going to cut yeah. the football season short now? Is it going to be null and voided? So you can't really do anything until then. No. But it will be a Millwall so profiling everybody that's ever played for Millwall. Well, keep us informed on progress on that. Obviously, as you say, oh, a lot. A lot has got to play out. Um, I'm just looking at Alf Mooland. I think I mentioned this in my little piece, but he scored a, a half century against the Turing West Indian side in, in 1923. Um, and as you say, um, again, a- amateur football, you, you, it's, it's a thing that you tend not to, to hear so much about nowadays, but... The amateur leagues back in the in the uh, the especially the the kind of Victorian era and and then the uh, the interwar were quite strong and he's played for West Ham Corinthians, um, a team that's disappeared and Catford South East. I, I I don't know. I don't know if Leighton Stone still exists, but they were quite a no, big they name. In... Oh, they merged into that. Okay, um, and he signed for me as an amateur. Um, again, a thing that you just don't get anymore. These these are you know days days long gone. So that's yeah. that's. Alf Mool. Um, and, and, and he actually went on to coach both cricket and football at Lansing College. Right. OK. Listen. Three hat-tricks. I believe he scored three hat-tricks and 64 goals. He was quite a, quite a goal scorer in 208 appearances for the Lions in those, those years of 1921 to 27. Um, now, unless, uh, unless uh, I've included this one because it was mentioned in the, the, the page that... Um, was sent to me by Jamie from Australia, but Lennox Brown, um, Len, Brown Af- yes. Len Brown, a South African player, uh, test match player. Um, I have two tests for South Africa, three wickets and th- 38 runs scored over those two tests. Um, and a rather unhappy trial period, it seems, with, with the Lions um, for one month in October of 1935 which just included one game, as far as I can tell, Neil, which was a 5-0 thumping at Crystal Palace, which is um, never never a good thing. But that seems to be in the start and finish of Len Brown as, as a Millwall player. Yeah, um, he, 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 yeah, he'd actually play for Huddersfield, West Bromwich Albion, uh, Oldham Athletic. You're right in saying that he arrived at Millwall in November 35, went on to play for Rosendale and then back to Oldham Athletic. Okay, I mean, he's, he's taken some major name wickets. I'm just looking here at Wiki again. Um, it took Wally Hammond's um, wicket in 1931 as, as a playing for a, one of the South African state sides, I think. And was it Transvaal, I think? Um, and Percy Chapman, another another big name of the time. So um, probably a stronger cricketer, perhaps, than, um, than Absolutely, um, definitely. Yeah, 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 but I think he. Yeah, but I think he was one of several centre forwards that Millwall actually tried that season to improve a woeful attack. Yeah, but that sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? And, uh, <laughs> Everything and, and changes and nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Well, Millwall rubbish since eighteen eighty five. Same old, same old. But, uh, but apparently, 
Well, he was in the pocket of uh, the Crystal Palace centre half, Bill Wilde. Right. In a 5-0 defeat, so that's probably why he didn't ever go on and play for the club again. No. You are listening to Arten Millwall. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. <laughs> uh, and then my last, my last name, um, which was the, 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 uh, the easy question that I posed to Neil, and he got within seconds. I thought it was quite a good question, but anyway... Uh, it, 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 I didn't know, I hadn't, I hadn't heard the name previously until I did this research. It's one of the fascinating things about doing something like this, actually. It's, it brings out little um, aspects of club history that you just never realised existed. And Laurie Fishlock, um, who is the, uh, I'll, I'll post it again when we put this show out, the photo of him, which is on Wikipedia. Fantastic photo of, of Laurie Fishlock, who was an England test batsman um, and played for Surrey. Um, but also made 36 appearances for the Lions in a, a tough season. 1933-34 was a relegation season. And he was actually our top scorer that season, as far as I can tell, looking at the, um, the, the, the history website, seven goals. So it's a measure of how, how difficult a, side, uh, a season that was for Mill. We relegated to the third division. Um, but a well-known cricketer, um, Neil, Laurie Fisher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was also an yeah, it was also an England amateur international, I believe. Football. Yeah, amateur for England for international for football. Um, it was Wisdom's cricketer of the year after the war. I think the war rather got in the way of his career because he seems to have played a couple of tests before the start of the conflict, and then obviously, as as with many many um, sportsmen generally, um, he was in the RAF for the duration, uh, and he made a, a comeback after the after the war to play. Uh, against India and was cricketer yeah. of the year in 47. Yeah, yeah, but he was an excellent left-handed opening batsman and massed over 25,000 runs, including 56 centuries. And in, yeah, but in fact, he was actually Mill's leading scorer in that very difficult season. Yeah, um, 253 is his highest score, according to Wikipedia, <clears throat> against Leicestershire at Grace Road. Um, and he won the county championship as well, I see, at the age of 45. See, well, uh, we're making this history thing look easy between the two of us. 
<laughs> Gotta do it more often, mate. Well, what, what we'll do in future is I'll post some 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 flimsy piece, and then you can come on the next show and correct me and get it right. <laughs> we, we could build a build a double act out of out of that. Um, oh, a thousand runs in his last season. That's, that's that's an achievement, isn't it? I mean, you know, at the age of forty five, you score a thousand runs in a, a and win the county championship with Surrey. Um, which began a sequence of a record seven straight victories in, in the championship for the for the county. Um, and his footballing achievements, he played for Crystal Palace, Southampton, Millwall and Dulwich Hamlet, as well as being an amateur international for, for England. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not a bad life, really, is it? A thousand runs age 45, when most people are thinking about piping slippers at age 45, aren't they? And starting to creep. It's true. Up. It's true. I mean, it, it's. I think one of the things, just you know, going through these names and just doing the thing that I did yesterday, you know, it, it struck me at that, that point because individually, me, many, many of us would call in any of these individual achievements, you know, perhaps a pinnacle of your of your sporting life or you know, personal things. But you know, that's 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 the pinnacle. But to to do to do what you know, somebody like Fishlock has done here is 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 quite incredible, isn't it? And you know, that's that's a life lived. He died at the age of 79 in Sutton. Um, and he'd also coached at um, Trinity School, John Whitgift School in Croydon. That's right. And St Dunstan's, which is in Catford. Um, so those were my my names. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad I got them largely right. I might, I might have missed out um, poor old David Smith's England career, which I, I put my hands up to. And, you know, but I'm, I'm glad I got them mostly right. And I don't think I made any particular howlers. Um, do you have any other any other names that we can add into the into the list there, Neil, of, of um, Yeah, let's widen it out a little bit. Let's widen it out a little bit. Well, we've got Sir George Roby, who was the ah. Prime Minister of Merth. <laughs> a musical star, George Roby. He was indeed. He was indeed. He actually he actually made what three Western League appearances for Millwall in 1903 and 1907. Right. Okay. Um, I... Actually, he actually played some minor games for the MCC. I didn't know that. I, I, I've seen um, George Roby signing for Millwall as a as a, like a, I think the, the chairman at the time had signed him as a friend of um, George Roby and he signed contracts for to play yeah. for. The Dockers, as they would have been back then. This would be in yeah. what about 1901, 02, 03, something like that. Yeah, 1903 and 1907 he returned. But I thought it was just a kind of a, a stunt, you know. Um, a, 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 you know, I didn't know he'd actually no. played for, for 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 Millwall. Wow. Yeah, no, but he, yeah, but he actually played in the Western League, which was obviously then Millwall were in the Southern League. Yeah. But they also actually played in the Western League. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it was seen as the lesser of the leagues compared yes. with. The yeah, Southern, no, been, yeah. Yeah. so kind of a, I don't know, not quite a reserve league, but it was seen as the second string competition, yeah. and yeah, it still it still exists, I believe, the Western League, which is um, like the Southern League, is um, still still going, I believe, as certainly within the you know the, the pyramid. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that, and, I, and they play for the MCC as well. I, I, I didn't know it that did. about Ruby. The Prime Minister of Mirth. <laughs> That's a great the Prime name. Prime Minister of Mirth. Brilliant, that, isn't it? Grand, fantastic. So, George Roby. Well done, Neil. You're going to have to be the Prime Minister of Millwall or something, aren't you? <laughs> you need to be the Prime Minister of Mirth to be anything at the Millwall in charge of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. <laughs> fantastic. Any, Let me did you move have... on to George Fisher. George Fisher, uh, yes. Very, very famous, obviously, played in... 
Millwall's first Wembley appearance in 1945. Yep. Uh, played, what, 316 games, scored four goals. Very distinctive, craggy, craggy looks. Did he have a, he had a brother? There was a two Fisher brothers. Jackie Fisher. Yeah, Jackie. Jackie. Jackie Fisher, and was actually born where the West Stand is now. Right. I didn't know that. I didn't well, so, know that. Yeah, no, well, where the East Stand is now. So, uh, yeah, well, when that was all slums and that, then it got, I think, cleared and became a park. But, yeah, no, he was brought up there. But he was actually he re- he was actually offered a contract by Surrey right? Uh, just after World War Two, but actually turned it down. Uh, to concentrate on playing football. Right. I didn't know that. What was his position in cricket, Neil? Was he a bowler, batsman? What did he... <laughs> we don't uh, know. Yeah, no, I'm going to blag my way through this one. Blag! <laughs> when in doubt, blag. <laughs> we don't... <laughs> We're unclear. <laughs> Maybe an all-rounder. Just call him an all-rounder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but he was quite useful. We'll just stick to that. I think he was useful. <laughs> yeah, but I think he was a bowler. Yeah, so, but he... somewhere in the back of my mind, he was a bowler. All right. Well, he, he turned down a um, he turned down a contract with Surrey to play for the for the Lions. Um, so George Fisher, yeah. I mean, again, very distinctive looking couple of brothers. Actually, great mops of black hair and quite yeah, um, right. quite sharp featured as as well. So you, 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 as soon as you see them, you'll know them. I might stick a few pictures on them online. Yeah. No. Well, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, George was certainly a regular visitor right up until his death a few years ago. Right. Yeah, they wheeled him out every now and again to wave to the crowd and that as, kind is, of as is right and proper. As is right and proper. So that's George Fisher. You have any more on your list there, Neil? Yeah, I've got Frank Hancock who who played for right. Millwall between thirty and nineteen thirty seven, under and seventy nine games, five goals. Right. Was actually a huge cricket fan, but actually once acted as twelfth man for Yorkshire. It seems you know. How do you know that? <laughs> how can I compete with this list? This... <laughs> I'm just armed with Wikipedia. And you're thinking about his 12th man for Yorkshire. Dude. <laughs> apparently. 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 Well, I got that from Dave Sullivan, who I think wrote the miscellany. Well, that's that's yeah. what I based my, my work on, Dave Sullivan. So if it's not in yeah. Sullivan, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not knowing it, basically. Um, <laughs> I wonder no, the circumstances right, of that were. And it must have been short of a, a short of a player, and he's in the crowd or something. Yeah, basically was. Yeah, was probably. Yeah, was probably a club cricketer in and around the area. Probably. Yeah, they probably had somebody injured, needed somebody to come onto the field, and away he went. I'm writing all these down, so I'm going to publish them. Saying like I'm the knowledgeable one um, on, on the show notes. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be no pressure with any of this, is there? To get, no, to get no, no, no. Any of this, right? No. Then Frank... we've got John Morris Jones, who wow. played for Millwall in 1947. Wow. 31 appearances, seven goals, joined from Fulham, and uh, he was actually on the Surrey ground staff. Right, wow. And that was confirmed by Surrey just after World War Two. So he, yeah, we just turned up and mowed the grass, I guess. <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, I'm definitely writing that one. I mean, I'm, I'm, to borrow a cricket cliche, I'm being bowled out middle snap on me. So these, these are these are good, good, good deliveries. Honestly, I didn't, I've not heard of John Morris Jones. I'll have to do some research on him. But fantastic call. Yeah, well, I spoke to him many old. Oh, 
yeah, but he could actually be Millwall's oldest surviving player. Wow. Wow. He's still alive, as far he as we know. Was, he was about four or five years ago when I last spoke to him. Okay, okay. John Morris-Jones, uh, well. On a, on a smaller scale, David Storia, who played for Millwall between 1902 and 1904. Seen his name, yeah. Yeah, he... Him and another former Millwall player called Billy Stewart. Yep. They were both very useful cricketers and played for Forfarshire. Okay. Scottish cricket club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Obviously, given the region, uh, yeah. David Gloria was a Scotland international with three full caps. Oh, okay. So, I'm furiously so- writing this down at Scotland <laughs> International. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, these useless things that people are going to... Yeah, we're going to bore people senseless by the end of this. Well, they could always tune out the show if they don't like it. You know, <laughs> That's the view I'd take. <laughs> uh, there, was, there was a guy called Lionel Thornton. Uh, Lionel who Thornton. Played, who played as an amateur in August 1938. Uh, basically, uh, was in, uh, Tinny, I think he went by the name of. Tinny. And uh, allegedly captained Oxford University at cricket. Wow. Okay. Uh, reached an unfortunate demise in 1942. Uh, he survived the evacuation of Dunkirk only to lose his life two years later uh, when basically he was torpedoed by a US submarine. Uh, <laughs> on the Japanese ship that was carrying prisoners of war. Wow. 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 Well, that's, uh, that's a sad end, isn't it? Nin- so to perished in 1942 as a result of, I suppose you call that friendly fire and modern, yes. modern way, I suppose you call it. Doesn't make any difference to you when you're sinking, but there we are. Lionel, <laughs> Lionel Thornton, Tinney. Oh, Which... oh, rest, rest in peace, Lionel. I think that's, that's, a, yeah. that's, that's a sad, sad story, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, which leads us very nicely on to World War Two, where yeah. there's a number of Millwall guest players, because obviously, yeah, was, yeah, as people will know, uh, registrations were relaxed. Yes, of course. Back then, and you could get, uh, you could get, uh, you could get guest players in. You could get a game wherever you were based. I think in the services, if you were local to a club, Aldershot or, or wherever, you know, you, you, yeah, could, you could get a game yeah. locally. Yeah. And. Uh, Des Dowding, D-O-L-D-I-N-G, Desmond Leonard Downing. Right. Uh, quite a distinguished football career, played for Wealdston, Queen's Park Rangers, Chelsea, Norwich, Dover, Margate, and guested for Millwall. Right. Uh, was actually born in India and served as a bomb aimer right. during the war. Yep. The main claim to fame was he was on the MCC ground staff for several years. Played first-class cricket for Middlesex and was 12th man for England in the 1949 Test match against New Zealand. Well, unfortunately, died from injuries uh, from a car crash when he was being driven by a Middlesex teammate. Wow! When his car collided with a bus. Wow! It's, I mean, these, these are one. I mean, it's interesting because some of these are quite sad stories. I mean, I suppose everyone meets yeah. their end at some stage, certainly. But yeah. it's quite it's quite a sad sad story, but fascinating detail. And 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 the 
I don't know if it's a, a thing for me. I just love these obscurities and, and and finding out this information is wonderful stuff. So there's Dow, Downing. Did you say his name was Daniel? Yeah, yeah, Downing. Okay. And uh, we've got uh, yeah. I'll just quickly run through a couple. Uh, uh, Morris Dunkley, play, uh, he was a Millwall guest player, obviously, played for, I think, uh, Northampton, Manchester City, right. was a Northampton cricketer, uh, right-handed batsman, 37 to 39. Right. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't got any sad stories about him. So. <laughs> I can't have much more sadness at the moment. <laughs> 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 no more sad stories, no. But no, it's, it's, right. Reg, Holton. Reg, Reg Holton. Holton, who played for, it was a guest of Millwall, 41 42. Right. Uh, played second 11 cricket for Lancashire and Leicestershire, and in the minor counties for his native Staffordshire. Staffs. Wow. And that brings us on to uh, Eric Litchfield, who I'm going to slightly cheat with. He yeah, you mentioned Eric, um, but I, I, we'll, we'll forgive you with that amount of detail and that amount of obscurity, Neil Fist. I'm going to forgive you for crossing football codes slightly. Eric Litchfield. Yeah, no, yeah, no, Eric Litchfield. He was actually a wicketkeeper who had trials for Lancashire. Right. But, but actually moved to uh, South Africa and became a prominent cricket journalist. Okay. Cricket correspondent for the Cape Times in 1982. Right. And wrote the Springbok story from the inside in 1960. And he was a, a Millwall player. Yes, he played. He played a handful of games. Right. Uh, and the final one was a guy called Yeah, we're going to like this for a name: Jumbo Jack Chisholm. <laughs> Jumbo Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I used to give them names like this. Like, wonderful name. Jack Chisholm, as in. Yeah. Inspector Chisholm in mind. Yeah. Yep. Basically, uh, played a handful of games as a guest. Millwall tried to sign him, actually, post-World right. War II, but, but the deal failed through. Apparently, we offered them a packet of fruit pastels and uh, <laughs> Sheffield, <laughs> Sheffield United wanted money for him or something. <laughs> a deal breaker. <laughs> and he actually played one game for Middlesex in 1947. Okay. Was what was actually an all rounder? Fabulous stuff, fabulous stuff, Neil. And the player that we that you actually briefly touched upon was actually John Sutcliffe. John Sutcliffe, sorry, I confused him with (coughs) Litchfield. John Sutcliffe, sorry. Yeah, well, we've actually got, yeah, no, we're going around and around in circles here. No wonder you're confused, I'm confused, the listeners are confused and bored (laughs) and probably switched off a very long time ago. So it's actually probably just me and you having a conversation on our own here. It's never stopped me before. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to stop me now. Uh, John Sutcliffe. Yeah, he was actually uh, the last of three men to actually play for England at Rugby Union and football. Wow. Uh, He was Millwall's second ever England international. He won the last of his five caps against Wales in 1903. Right. Yeah, do you know the name of England's first? So Millwall's first England international? Uh, not off the top of my head. I, I, I'd have to look. Herbert Banks. Herbert Banks. And Sutcliffe was a rugby union international, football international, yes. and Mil- Millwall player. Yeah, won 
reach an FA Cup final with Bolton in 1894, won promotion to the First Division in 1900, uh, won the last of his England caps after joining the Dockers. Yep. And had a younger brother who was a professional footballer, I believe won an FA Cup, was 22 years younger. So, we, so obviously his parents didn't have a start. <laughs> that game, they may better be in a quarantine lockdown like we are and there's nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know the feeling, Mr Sutcliffe. <laughs> John Sutcliffe, that's, that's an achievement. A rugby union international, a football international and a middle player. And this, that's, that's a name that needs to be... Um, uh, part part of the reason I do these little nostalgia pieces is I think sometimes it's it's just it's, I, I think that history has a role to play. I think people should know these things. They should know these names. These are you know doers of great deeds in the past, sporting deeds, and sometimes more more widely. And it's just um, you know if, if you don't re- if you don't repeat the stories, they get they get lost, don't they? I just think yeah, they're lost in the sands of time, and everybody loves a bit of nostalgia, especially when you've got nothing else to do all day apart from. You have a from you have you have to do the garden for the fifteenth time and you can't Listen, paint yeah. a certain board and no. decorate the same room. You can't buy the paints and go listen to Millwall podcasts like Afton Millwall. <laughs> Neil, that's that's wonderful stuff, mate. I really appreciate your time out and the research. Um, and I always enjoy your column that you do. And I, I get the um, the football league paper, uh, the where are they now? Um, column is always always a, a, an interesting read. Every no matter which club, it's it's fantastic stuff. So thank you. I really appreciate that. Really appreciate your time. Um, let's keep in touch. Um, it'd be nice to get you back on the show at some point in the future and do something similar. So uh, I'll, I'll think of some other half-cocked subject that I can put out a podcast and you can come on and put, put me straight. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, Love we this. do our best. Yeah, we we'll do our best. Yeah, hopefully we've not missed anybody off and not done anybody any injustices. And Hopefully not. We've heard if yeah, anyone knows bored, any different, bored everyone, bloody senseless part now. Well, that we can't guarantee, but then you know, if they come this far with us, they're not going to be bored by whatever we've, we've delivered, mate. Definitely. Great stuff, Neil Fisher. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your work, mate. And um, speak to you soon. All the best, mate. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Achtung Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. All one word, achtungmillwall at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232. That's 0208 144 0232, leave us a voicemail. No human will be involved in the receipt of your message. So give us a shout, tell us what you think about all things Millwall, and the best messages will be read out on air. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.